Alright, Isaiah chapter 50, <clears throat> beginning here in verse 4. The Lord is <clears throat> speaking concerning the Messiah, the servant that is mentioned in Isaiah. And He says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. And we know he's talking about the Messiah. Several indications, but you'll recognize verses 5 and 6. The Lord God hath opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. And of course, that's speaking directly of who? Of Christ Himself. And we've taken a look at this passage before, but one of the aspects of being conformed into His image is when our lives begin having touches or habits that are indicative of the Savior. And he mentions here that in his earthly ministry that the Lord God, that is Yahweh, had given to him the tongue of disciples. In other words, a tongue of a learner follower. So that he would know how to sustain a weary one with a word. That he would know how to speak. And then it says, He awakens me morning by morning So did God the Father awake him? He did. He awakens my ear to hear as a disciple. So Lord God, He was a disciple, as it were, in His humanity of God the Father. And God the Father had given Him the tongue of a disciple. And He Himself, as a disciple, had to have an open ear to listen Now, who is he listening to? He's listening to God the Father. He's listening to the Scripture. He's listening to what the Word has to communicate to him. And so, if we're being conformed into his image, then those types of things are going to end up being seen in our own lives. Now, nowhere in my Bible that I'm aware of Does the Bible say you ought to have devotions? But I do have an example of this, don't I? I have an example of our Savior that upon awakening, not only was He woke up, but His ear was woke up to listen. His ear was not sluggish. It wasn't lazy. It was attentive. It was undistracted so that he could hear the words of his Father, God the Father. He could hear the words of God. And so what you have here in front of you is uh, an article that I nabbed from a fellow ministry uh, many, many years ago. And I don't know quite when I nabbed it. I didn't write this down. I suppose it was either in the late 90s or early 2000s. And I typed it up, I reformatted it, 
And I thought it would be good for us, even though our church in general as a whole is reading through the Bible, and many of you are joining in to reading through the Bible in 40 days, I thought it would be good for us to pause with David, <clears throat> take a couple of Wednesdays, so it'll be this Wednesday and next Wednesday, and just kind of look at this sheet and kind of challenge ourselves or remind ourselves how we need to approach our Bibles on a day-by-day, prayerfully, morning-by-morning time. Now, it's not just in the morning that the Lord listened to God the Father. He listened to Him all through the day, did He not? But here the Holy Spirit points this out for us uniquely. So what I want to do, I just want to go through the front page, and then Lord willing, next Wednesday we'll go through the back page. Now, what we're reading here is adapted from a book by Thomas Watson. It's a book in which the title of it is Heaven Taken by Storm, and he has uh, a chapter or a uh, section in there on how we may read the Scripture with with most spiritual profit. And this is not a procedure. In other words, you know, you don't want to have this in your Bible and you don't want to say, okay, I did number one, I did number two, I did number three, all the way down to number 22. Now I'm ready to read my Bible. Okay. And it's not a mosaic code. Okay. So if you're not, if, if you only do four of these, okay, the point is, is here's some things that we can bring to our attention so that we may gleam the most in our short time under the sun with our Bibles. Okay, So let's just look at them, and I'll really read them with just not too much of a comment here. Number one, prepare your heart before you read. Now, all of us have to do that. When you wake up in the morning, we are not like the Lord. You may wake up drowsy. You probably will wake up inattentive. You probably bemoan the fact that you don't wake up more excited to get in your Bible than you do. Okay, So we wake up in all kinds of distractions and with all kinds of things upon our heart. I don't know if you've ever woke up and the first thing you think about is your to-do list. I do that a lot. Okay, But you've got to prepare your heart before you read. And what I, what I just noted here is that you need to make sure your mind is single when you open your Bible. And it says here, the heart is an instrument that needs to be put in tune. 1 Samuel 7.3, prepare your hearts unto the Lord. That is, summon your thoughts together and purge out those unclean affections, that is, the motions of your will and heart, which indispose you to reading. There's all kinds of things out there that would say, don't read. There's all kinds of things out there that would say you don't have time to read. There's even things that will arise in your heart that are not sinful things that will tell you those two things. But to carve out 
whatever time that is. You may only have 15 minutes, you may have 30, you may have 10, but you want to make that the most spiritual, profitable thing you can do in the morning, right? So you need to prepare your heart before you read. Secondly, remove the things that will hinder your profiting. And what I wrote beside this was you need to make sure that you are not internally distracted. Now the fact of the matter is is that our Lord in His earthly ministry was interrupted many times in His prayers. Now of course not late at night because the disciples were probably what? Sleeping. Sleeping, but... He was interrupted. I mean, he's out praying, and all of a sudden the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Okay. Did he get upset about it? He didn't get upset about it. Okay. He didn't start screaming, Can't you see I'm having my prayer time? (laughs) Okay. And I'm not talking about external distractions. Uh, A mother could be in prayer and all of a sudden a baby or a child lets out a blood-curdling scream. She doesn't say to herself, well, that can wait until I'm through with my prayer time, thank you. No, she has to what? But that's providential. The distractions that I'm concerned about are things that are going on in our hearts and minds. Okay, Remove those things that hinder profiting. These include, he writes, number one, the love of any sin. And that is absolutely true, but, but I would word it this way. If, if in your mind you keep drifting back into thought on something, that's the thing you need to get rid of. Okay? I use the example of a to-do list. Okay? I've gone up, I've got my Bible, I've got my cup of... I was going to say coffee, but I'm not supposed to drink coffee. I have my cup of tea, okay? And I have it up there, and I'm ready to go. And all I can think about is that blog post, okay? Or I'm thinking about all the things I have to do that day. Or I'm thinking I need to make a list. Or I all of a sudden I'm taken up with maybe an appointment that I have that day or a visitation. Those aren't necessarily things I love, but they are things that are what? Bringing themselves to my mind constantly that I need to, you might even have to pray and ask the Lord to get it out of your mind so that you can focus on what you are reading. And he speaks about that. Number two under that, he says, remove the thorns which choke the word. What are those thorns? The Scripture tells us what those are. Anybody know of... There's three. Cares. Cares of the world. Riches. The riches, deceitful riches. And I don't remember what the third one was. Okay. But you get the idea, right? Okay, and our hearts, though it has the good seed, there are thorns in there. Okay. Number three. <clears throat> Come to the reading of Scripture with a humble heart. Acknowledge how unworthy you are that God would reveal Himself to you through His words. For it's written, God's secrets are with the humble. Okay? 
And you don't want to come to the Bible with a, well, I already know what it says type of attitude. Okay, That's the benefit sometimes of reading from another modern translation. You're so familiar with your King James, or you're so familiar with your ESV, or you're so familiar with the New American Standard, that you just your eyes will just gleam over it because you're familiar with it. But if you're reading an, another solid translation, that may not be as familiar with, to you, right? And so <clears throat> come to the reading with a humble heart. You don't want to come there saying, well, I already know all, everything I want to know. You need to come hungry. Uh, fourthly, come to the reading of Scripture with an honest heart. When men pick and choose in religion, they will do some things that the Word commands them, but not others. Now I'm going to translate that into maybe how we would say that today. We have our favorite passages. Don't we? And if you're not doing something systematic, this is the benefit of systematically reading through your Bible. You get everything God intends for you. Versus, why I like that chapter and these three chapters and these four chapters and where am I going to read today? And almost invariably, you never pick a chapter that you don't like. You always pick one that you're familiar with and that you gleam a lot out of it. Those with unsound hearts, that will not profit. And so the benefit of systematic reading, that leads us into the next point that Thomas Watson wrote. He said, read the books of the Bible in order. Our Bibles, brethren, are are like good food. And there's portions in my Bible that if I had a choice, I wouldn't have put it in there. And whenever I think about it, I always think about the last three chapters of Judges. Where they cut up this woman. And she is ravaged upon all night long. When I get to those, I don't even want to read them. And then when I do, I get mad. (laughs) How could someone allow that to happen? Okay. But guess who put it in there? The Lord did. Could He have left it out? And the point that He's trying for us to see is that this is how far a society can go when every man does what is right in his own eyes. And folks, I need to be warned about that. I don't need to read it and say, well... you know, I, I would never do anything anywhere close to that. I would hope I would. I'd be horrified if I did. But it's there to admonish us. It might even be there to see if you have righteous anger about it. But is it in our Bible? Now folks, I would never pick those three chapters and say, you know, I really need to be encouraged. Let's go to the last three chapters of Judges. But it's there, and it's in a right portion. Would you agree with me? There's not a lot of chapters like that. So detailed. 
so abominable as those three chapters in our Bible. And so it's like a good meal where you need to eat all of the meal in the right portion. Okay, You have passages that are your dessert. They are sweet to you. Well, you need some veggie passages. Okay, <clears throat> And you even need some passages that you don't really want to eat. Because the Lord put it in there. So when you read systematically, you read how much of it. You get it all. Okay. And as we go through there, these 40 days in the Bible, I can assure you that when I get to Judges, I'm going to be glad to fly right through there. Okay. To the other side. Next point. <clears throat> Read with seriousness. Thomas Watson writes, Some have light, feathery spirits. They run over the weightiest truths in haste. Read with a solemn, composed spirit. Seriousness is the Christian's ballast which keeps him from being overturned with vanity. And, <clears throat> brethren, I would just point out here, this is even true if you're reading the Bible in 40 days. Okay. You're probably going to read that a little bit faster than if you were studying the chapter, wouldn't you? Okay. But, but don't just skip like stones, like trying to skip a stone over a lake. Just don't skip over the tops of it so that you can get through it. But do, but do approach it with seriousness. Okay. This is the Lord speaking to us. Okay. Now you may not have the same seriousness as me spending a week on three or four verses, but you can still approach it with seriousness. Read the Scriptures. Next point. Read the Scriptures with reverence. Think about every line you read. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. And folks, I really think that's important when you come to your Bibles that you really are thinking that. Uh, this isn't a novel. The Bible's not the newspaper. The Bible's not the internet blog. The Bible is God speaking to you. And we have a great blessing to have a Bible in our hands. May we use it for a spiritual profit. Next, <clears throat> give credence to the written Word. Believe it to be of God. And, <clears throat> you know, I just wrote down this maybe helpful thing. Let's say you're reading, you're on the 40-day through the Bible reading plan or you're through the year. Um, and you come across a a verse, you're reading down through your Bible, and something just really grabs you. Okay? Have a notepad and write the verse down. Finish your reading, and then come back to it when you have time. Pick, go back to that same verse, okay? And reread it, and then meditate on that one verse through the day. That will really feed your soul. And it will be profitable to you. So finish your reading. If you're doing the 40 days of the Bible, finish your reading. You're, somebody told me it was 20, 
five chapters, 24 chapters, whatever. Finish those chapters. Okay? Maybe you wrote down two passages. Okay? When you get through, just go back, reread the verse. Okay? And start meditating. And then close the Bible and meditate on it as you go through the day. That would be a blessing. And an encouragement. You may put it down and say, I want to go back and do some study on that later. Or maybe after the 40 days are over. But you've written it down, right? So you won't forget it. Uh, Next one. Highly prize the Scripture you read. The law of of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Is that true for you? I've often thought you could take everything I have, but don't take my Bible. Now, I wouldn't be excited to be tested on that. Okay? But in my mind and in my heart, that is the way we see it, right? And Thomas Rodson writes, the Bible is the heart and soul of God. It is the library of the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase. It is the library of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's going to reach on your library shelf and speak to you, He's going to reach into your Bible. And He's going to teach you and admonish you and correct you and exhort you and encourage you through the library of the Scripture. Next. Love what you read. Prizing relates to one's judgment, love, to the affections. Consider how I love thy precepts. Psalm 119, 159. We must love, understood, what we read, not only the comforts of the Scripture, but also the what? The reproofs. And folks, I have been severely reproved before, but I would much rather be reproved through the Scripture than through providence Mm -hmm. that drives me to the Scripture. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you? Yes. So, like a good child, a good son, a good daughter, listen to your parents as they speak to you. Next. Labor to get a right understanding of what you read. The knowledge of the Scripture sense is the first step to profit. In other words, you can't profit if you don't understand it. Get what knowledge you can by comparing Scriptures, by conferring with others, by using the best commentaries. Without knowledge, the Scripture is a sealed book. Every line is too high for us. If the word shoots above our heads, it will never hit our hearts because you can only get to your heart through your head. Now let me just mention here a little something in relationship to our Bible reading, especially the 40 days through the Bible. I think the most important thing that you can do outside of just noting scriptures that may be just embrace you as you go through there or you want to look back at it later is to read and work to retain the context of the passage. Okay, You're you're not going to have time to say, you know, 
I don't understand those four verses. Let me get a commentary. Let me get this. Let me text pastor. You know, you're not going to have time to do all that and then read those chapters, right? So in these 40 days, just work really hard to maintain the flow of the context. Now that's going to be harder than you think it is. (laughs) Okay? Because your mind, your sinful nature, wants you to read the Bible like little slices of pizza. A piece here and a piece there and a piece there and a piece there. That's not how you read a book. Right? I would go and get five novels off the shelf and get you know a paragraph on page 182, book one, and a page on 99, book two, and then piece them together and try to come up and tell you what the book's about. But we try to do that with our Bibles. Okay, so try to keep the context as you're reading. What is the Scripture saying? And then lastly for tonight, pray that God will make you profit. And I suppose if there's anything here outside of preparing your heart, it is asking the Lord like David did, to open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Brethren, as believers, unlike our Lord, but as believers, we see in the mirror dimly. And the mirror is what? The Scriptures. Okay. When we see him, we'll see clearly. Okay. You won't even need glasses to do it. Okay. But in this life, we we see things in the scripture through darkness. Not darkness like a lost person, but there's still this darkness and this ignorance. Have you ever felt that ignorance? I have. You read through the Bible and you're like. I don't have any idea what that means. And think about how much labor it takes just to understand few verses with great clarity. And, you know, I'm going to spend my whole life and hopefully I will have preached and taught at least through the whole New Testament. But if you wanted to do the whole Bible as thorough as you do the New Testament, I'd probably have to be Methuselah. Okay, it would take years to do that with that kind of work. And so we do see in the glass darkly or dimly. And thankfully what the Holy Spirit does is he comes and he gives light to that. And uh, you younger people don't know what this is, but as you get older, you know, you get cataracts. And guess what happens? You know, you, you may look in here and think, you know, we need, we need more light in here, by the way we do. But, you know, we need more light, whereas a young person's like, what's bright enough? What's your problem? Well, the problem is, you're seeing dimly and they're not, right? They're seeing with clarity, at least the light of this world, and you're seeing dimly. Okay, well, we come to the Bible that way. We come to the Bible with dim eyes. Okay, and the reason is, is because we're still in this life. We still have a sinful nature. 
We're still under this sun. One day we won't be. And we will walk fully in the light. And nothing will be dim anymore. And what a day that will be. So, since we see dimly, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will illumine our reading. And folks, He can do that even if you're reading big chunks in your Bible. Okay. So, <clears throat> I thought this would be helpful, if anything, as a reminder. And uh, bring those sheets back next week, and uh, we'll do the back half of this. And then the Wednesday after that, we won't meet, but we'll be giving three whole days to the topic of prayer. So we'll cover the beginning of the year, our Bible reading, and our prayer life, okay, to kick off 2023.